Hi, this is Glenn Hughes, and this is Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is the Chief, Eddie the Chief Clearwater. You're now listening to Iron City Rocks for good music, baby. Check it out. Hi, this is Tommy Shannon, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Enjoy it. Hi, this is Reese Wine, and I uh, hope you're enjoying my new record, Sweet Release. You're listening to Iron City Rocks from Pittsburgh. Oh! episode 404 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 404, a very special episode. We're joined by uh, two former bandmates of Steve Ray Vaughan. We're joined by Reese Winans, who has got a brand new album out called Sweet Release. Actually, hard to believe as long as his career in music has been, this is his first solo release. Uh, it's actually Reese Winans and Friends. Uh, which uh, features performances from his former bandmates in Double Trouble, uh, Tommy Shannon and Chris Layton uh, perform on the album, Warren Haynes of Government Mule and the Almond Brothers, Joe Bonamassa, who was, uh, Reese has been in Joe Bonamassa's band since 2015, uh, touring with him, uh, also joining him on the album, Vince Gill, Sam of Sam and Dave, uh, just a, a complete uh, laundry list of guitarists, Kenny Wayne Shepard, uh, and the list goes on and on. So we're going to play you a track uh, from that album. It's uh, Crossfire, the classic Steve Ray Vaughan track, which also features Chris Layton and Tommy Shannon, also Kenny Wayne Shepard on that. And then we're going to talk to Reese. And as an added treat, we're also going to be joined by Tommy Shannon. We were uh, very lucky to uh, get a few minutes of his time to talk about uh, getting back together and working with Reese after all these years and even get his thoughts on what it was like when Reese joined the band in 1985 how it changed the dynamic what it did to the music etc so we'll get into that and then also coming up we have a, a guitarist uh, from our, our own area Pittsburgh uh, Dan Boobian of Dan Boobian and the Delta Struts who have a fantastic album out called Thieves in Yesterdays uh, we're going to play you a track from them and talk to Dan about uh, their music which is really fantastic so without further ado, let's get into that interview with uh, Reese Winans. We're going to play you uh, Crossfire from the album Sweet Release, and we'll get into the interview with Reese and then Tommy Shannon.
Welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member Reese Winans. How you doing, Reese? John, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Here in Pittsburgh with you today. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. Um, you are just about to drop um, what is, uh, you know, your first solo album uh, after you know an amazing career in the music industry. Uh, the album Sweet Release is going to come out in March. Um, can you talk about what? kind of spawned you to do the album now um, after all these years and you know in the different work you've done in the studio and with Stevie Ray Vaughan and with Joe Bonamassa why now to, to do your own album sure John well uh, for those of you who may not be that familiar with me I've been a, a studio musician and uh, playing in several different bands for mm. for 50 years now uh, some of the bands I played in, Boss Gag, uh, Captain Beyond, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble, and lately, uh, Joe Bonamassa. Uh, so, you know, things happen to you when you're, when you've been around for 50 years, you start to think about it, it's about time to do something. And so I've been thinking it's about time for me to record something on my own. And, uh, and, and Joe, was, Joe Bonamassa thought it was a great idea. And so I, I, I did. Re, I did record some instrumental tracks on my own, and uh, was that pleased with the way they came out? Um, so Joe says, "Well, I should try cutting some of the songs uh, that I famously played on in the mm -hmm. past, and get more get more vocals going on." So it turned out that's what I did. I, I thought I, I really loved Joe's vision of what my record should be. I mm -hmm. loved it. Yeah. And so I asked Joe if he wanted to produce this record, and he'd never produced anything, so he was he was uh, wasn't sure about producing. But uh, in the end, that's the way it worked out. My first record, Joe's first production, uh, sweet release. Here we are. And what year is this? 2019. Whoever who would have ever thought uh, I would have a record out with my own name on it? Fantastic. Yeah. And can I ask the process of recording? You know, when I listen to the album. It's. It sounds like honestly, it sounds like you guys were having a tremendously fun time. Um, I don't know if that was the case or the goal, but as a listener, you know, with just you know a set of headphones on listening to the album, um, it sounds like it was a, a great time. You've got a, a, just a whole array of amazing musicians joining you, uh, from your bandmates in Double Trouble, Warren Haynes, Joe. Uh, was did, was it a lot of fun to put the album together? It was incredible putting the record together. Uh, 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 the way the way it worked out was completely uh, 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 fun, and um, and uh, the hardest thing was just picking out which songs to do. And uh, mm -hmm. and um, um, we so we finally honed down the song list. Uh, we decided we were going to have three different rhythm sections. Uh, I, I, uh, Joe wanted to bring Josh Smith in to play guitar. I wanted to bring Jack Pearson in. So we had guitar players forever Jack Josh Joe Bonamassa uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard um, uh, Doyle Bramhall of course uh, Warren Haynes uh, Keb Moe and uh, geez I mean it was just, it was just like uh, uh, everybody that I could have ever wanted to be on this record was, was there so it was, it was just fantastic when you put together you know here's a kind of a wish list of songs um, how do you approach the decision process of who plays on what, who sings on what, um, you know, which songs you're going to play a little bit closer to, to the original recordings, which ones you might, you know, deviate a little bit. How how did that thought process go? Every song is different, and uh, like for example, the uh, I wanted Doyle to sing to, to sing something on the record, uh, and I thought maybe he would want to sing an Archangel song. Mm -hmm. uh, it turned out. That that wasn't the case. That he wanted to that he wanted to do something funkier than that. And so we found this um, uh, cover song that Otis Rush had done called "You're Killing My Love." It was actually written by uh, uh, Nick Gravenitis and Mike Bloomfield from the Electric Flag. And I really loved the Otis Rush version of it. And so did Doyle. And it ended up it was just exactly the right song for Doyle to sing. And he just killed it. I mean, it was just beautiful. Um, I wanted uh, I wanted to do this song um, called Hard to Beat, mm -hmm. a song from the Vaughn Brothers record. Yeah, but I didn't want to do it the way they did, the way the way Jimmy and Stevie did it. I heard it more like a a roadhouse 
uh, Bonnie and Delaney kind of song. And so we kind of changed it up a little bit. You know, we changed the arrangement around a little bit and made it to where, to what I had envisioned that song to be. Um, a song like uh, Riviera Paradise, for example, uh, one of uh, Steve Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble's most iconic songs. Uh, I wanted it to be more like a movie soundtrack with lush orchestra orchestration, right. and so that's what we did on that. So, so we wanted to. There was a, uh, let's see if there's anything we copied exactly. I guess Soul to Soul is pretty much of a copy of the way we played it, and it was just a. Uh, Fantastic to play all those songs with uh, with uh, Chris Layton and Tommy Shannon because they play that stuff so great. And yeah. um, the idea of playing a shuffle with Chris Layton, just, let me just say, yes, I'll do that anytime, anywhere. Sure. And of well, course, uh, Kenny, Kenny Wayne Shepherd played on it. Who's the perfect guy to to play on a song like that? He's just a very fiery, uh, uh, inspired guitar player. Love that guy. Is it? Uh, did you find when you were? Working with guitarists specifically on some of this, you know, maybe Stevie's songs that you had to give them kind of uh, to get them to relax, or, or were were the guys pretty loose? You know, I would think stepping in and playing the music of Stevie might be intimidating, um, you know, due to his stature and, and you know the reverence people have for his playing. That sometimes it might be a little hard to to make it their own. I didn't really uh, sense anything like that. Of course. Uh I played with Stevie, so sure. it, it was it was me playing our old songs. You know, and Tommy and Chris felt the same way as them playing our old songs. As far as how did uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd and Joe Bonamassa and Josh Smith and uh, Jack Pearson feel about that? Well, they all seemed very comfortable mm-hmm. playing those songs with us. So uh, I don't think there was any any uh, any of that at all. Was it with working with Chris and Tommy? Was it kind of like riding a bike? You know, getting back in that groove with those guys. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's like uh, we're playing our old songs. I'm working with my my uh, uh, favorite uh, favorite bandmates. It was exactly like we had never left. And uh, I, I wish we could do a whole record of, of of our old songs. That would be that would be amazing to me. Yeah, I think a, a lot of fans would love that. Um, the can I ask when you joined Stevie's band? You know. Before the Soul to Soul album, um, what was the conversation like as far as you know? You've you've got a band that had you know, established a great following and, and a lot of interest and hits with a three piece to say, okay, we're going to change. You know, you kind of gamble a little bit in changing the dynamic by adding a fourth musician. I think of you know when Government Mule added um, you know keys to that. It, you know, you you do risk changing the sound. Obviously, you know it played great results and, and you guys had tremendous. Success with Soul to Soul and in Step, but was there any concern? Do you think with the band and in bringing in a, another instrumentalist? With the band, none at all. The band wanted it. The band hmm. uh, had had uh, had considered briefly had adding a rhythm guitar player. Mm-hmm. The, the thing about a trio is that a trio is great. It's, it's all uh, spontaneous, but when Stevie goes out to play to, to, to do the solo work, right. then it's a bass and, and bass and drums, and not really uh, a, a thing there for for the rhythm section to grab a hold of. Right. Uh, you know, it's hard to explain what I'm what I'm saying there. I mean, you could follow, you could accompany the solo just fine. So, but but if with another piece there, we could kind of get grooves going yeah. and uh, and get little 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 things going that that help the soloist, and so. They could have been. They could have been any number of people who brought into that that uh, particular seat. I happened to be the one who was, and I uh, felt uh, lucky and honored to be there because I'm with you. I thought they were a great trio, and they didn't need anybody. Right. Um, and, but, and I didn't want to change the sound too much. I just wanted to add to it. Yeah, I think what's what's great is is you know some of it you know it, it gave it a fullness that you can't get in a trio necessarily. Um, exactly. That's that's the thing, and 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 it's it's fuller behind his soloing. It's fuller behind his vocal, and it's and it's uh, 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 it's just it's just is a is a oh, that that thing you know that that uh, adding the adding the B three and the piano just seemed to work. 
Yeah, and, and of course I had a big background in the Texas blues at that point, so uh, so you have to be on the same page musically, and uh, of course I was. Yeah, it would have been a totally different thing had you been, you know, maybe more of a prog type of, of you know player, or you know, yeah, I think, that would that would have been weird, you know, and, uh, yeah, that would have been, that would that, that, that would have that would have changed things. You know, yeah, really I think, changed things. As perfect as John Lord's playing was for Deep Purple, you know, I think your playing in those those albums really was was in the same vein. You know, it just it fits so well. It felt really, really right. Um, I know. take that as a compliment. Uh, I've, I've always been a big fan of John Lord, so uh, thank yeah. you very much for for uh, for uh, mentioning us in the same sentence. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's that's very sincere. I, I find that you know the playing. I, I I can't imagine one of my favorite songs from Stevie's always been "Houses Rockin'," and without that piano in that song, um, you know, I don't even know if it makes sense in my head without the piano in it. So, <laughs> it's just that song, isn't it? Now that the piano thing became sort of iconic. I used it at a lot of athletic events and things like that. But uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, that's that's uh, we started the show with that. Hundreds of times, you know, and that's the that, that that always got the got the show off to a great start. Does that um, ever kind of just blow your mind? You know, when you're at a, a you know a baseball game, I know in Pittsburgh, you know, eighth inning, you're going to hear that, and they're going to pan in on some goofy person dancing in the stands. Does that still kind of trip you out when it gets that kind of, you know? No, you kid me. I think it's fantastic. I think it's I think it's great that they that they use that and. Uh, I had, you know, when I was playing it, I never envisioned that that <laughs> would be used for the eighth inning stretch. But uh, uh, but uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's the way things work out sometimes. That's that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Can you just talk a little bit from from a player's perspective? Now, you know, you fast forward. God, I don't even know how many years it's been. Twenty years or so. You're playing with Joe. Uh, Joe uses uh, quite often uses a horn section, and talk a little bit about how you, the use of horns impacts how you approach your parts in a song. That's a really interesting question. Um, yeah, we have two horn players in the in the band. Uh, I've been I've been playing with Joe for five years, and we've always had horns in the band mm-hmm. uh, uh, when we play live. We don't always have horns in the band when we when we record. Uh, usually when we, when we record, it's, uh, uh, two guitars, bass, and drums, and keys. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, uh, live, it's one guitar, uh, uh, Sarah and Lee Thornburg on the horns. And of course, we have our fabulous, uh, uh, backup singers, uh, uh that are all, that are, that are with us live as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but playing with a horn section and playing in a, in a four or five piece band without horns is, 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 it's a dilemma musically for a keyboard player. Do you want to play with the horns? Do you want to play with the rhythm section? Uh, uh, do you kick with the horns? Do you do 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 you not kick with the horns? You know, and and it, so it's a, every song is a, is sort of a dilemma. It has to be kind of thought out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, and sometimes I really love to kick with the horns, and uh, and uh, and sometimes we just have to kind of chunk through things and just and just make it make the 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 groove the thing and the horns right. are over top of it and those are the decisions you have to make uh, uh, for for each individual song it's not anything for us it's not any cut and dried rule it's how do we do each individual song sure uh, you know and I often wondered how you know that kind of balancing act because you you tone wise you can be somewhat in the same space. Uh, and you know it would be very easy to muddy that if if you were you know trying to play, you know just totally separate from them. Let them do their thing, you do your thing, but not pay attention, and then you end up with this just mess. Um, so it, it yeah, can... it, it, so, so that's that's the thing, and you want the band to sound tight uh, 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 if it, if it's supposed to be tight, and you don't want it to be um, um, uh, 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 just a, uh, disorganized. Mm-hmm. So. It's a, it's a, it's really it's a fine line, that, and that's the uh, that's the musical question. We all we all listen to each other and try to find a uh, a pleasing answer. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a lot of rehearsal time? It seems like you know from the outside world, it seems like Joe and, and your band have got projects constantly in motion um, that wouldn't allow for a lot of rehearsal. You know, you guys seem to do kind of one big, you know, the the muddy 
Muddy Wolf project or, or this project or that project every year and, and then throw out an album and now we've got your album coming in. Is there much time to rehearse or, or do you guys just kind of make it up on the fly, you know, in sound checks and stuff? Oh, no, no. We, uh, uh, for example, uh, we've been on break now for about, oh, I guess about a month and a half and we're just uh, gearing up to go to, to hit the road again next week. Okay. And uh, so we have... Um, um, three days of rehearsals uh, scheduled. Uh, Joe's going to bring in the, the new songs that we're going to play, mm-hmm. work them up, uh, uh, write the write the horn charts, and uh, and get ready to play the uh, the the songs that we're going to start out with on on this year's run. This year we have over a hundred shows, uh, a couple of uh, cruises. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, we play uh, uh, theaters and sheds around the world and. Uh, and so, yeah, we want the tour to start off pretty as though we're, we've been playing it for a while. So okay. we want to rehearse it and make it strong right from the start. And um, uh, yeah, we do rehearse, uh, 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 especially uh, when we're changing up and, and adding new tunes. Uh, this year we'll add more songs from um, Joe's new record, uh, Redemption. Mm-hmm. And um, and so. Uh, yeah, we'll be rehearsing that. Now, but prior to the to the rehearsals, do you guys you know, maybe swap emails amongst yourselves on the parts, or, or is it strictly you know let's wait till we're all in the same no. rehearsal space? Okay. No, we, we don't we don't swap emails about the parts. Uh, we swap uh, we swap emails about the songs, about which songs we're going to be working mm-hmm. up, uh, and then it's up up to us to determine individually, kind of make at least inroads to what we're going to be playing and okay. then, uh, so we're all ready for those songs when we when we hear everybody how, how they're playing at rehearsal then that's when we make the, that's when we tweak it to see um, how can we how, what's the best way to approach this particular song okay. and, um, and uh, so that's the way we do that awesome well Reese I want to thank you so much um, for your time today um your new album comes out on March 1st. It's on Joe's label, J&R Adventures. I know it's available on jbonamassa.com right now, and I believe it's available for pre-order on Amazon. We will see you when you get into town on March 16th, and I want to thank you so much, man. Yep, come see us. Take care. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Tommy Shannon on the fit and the bass. Right, ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have one half of Double Trouble, Tommy Shannon, on the line. How you doing, Tommy? I'm doing good. It's a real pleasure and an honor to speak to you. Um, obviously, uh, Double Trouble and Stevie Ray had such a huge influence on on really keeping the blues alive through a period of time that, that blues didn't necessarily flourish. But um, I wanted to talk to you specifically about Reese Winans, who, uh, as we discovered in a conversation with him, was from Latrobe, Pennsylvania originally. And just talk a little bit about, you know, you guys were successful with the first couple of Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble albums, obviously. Uh, landmark, uh, Texas Flood, Couldn't Stand a Weather. Um, but the decision was made to bring Reese in before the Soul to Soul album. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like, adding another musician to an obviously very cohesive trio? Yeah, um, we were in the studio, the three of us, and uh, we needed a keyboard player on some songs. And um, and Reese happened to be in town playing with Delbert McClendon, and mm-hmm. so we called him up and asked him to come to the studio, and he did. And it sounded so good. Uh, we asked him that night to join the band. And um, it happened that fast. When you play, obviously, you know, when Stevie would go off on his solos, you know, on the first two records, you were obviously the foundation. Um, you know, a lot of your bass lines. I love that part because you can really isolate what you're playing underneath what he's playing. But did you have to change your playing style to incorporate, you know, keys because you weren't necessarily having to hold, you know, the entire rhythm down underneath the solos? Well, uh, when you play in a trio, I mean, playing in a trio is hard. It's mm-hmm. fun, but it's but it's hard because uh, you got to keep it full. Right. When when Reese joined the band, 
there was um, more room to breathe. Um, right. You know, it became uh, really Reese fit in right away. Right. And uh, it kind of took a lot of pressure off me. I know. Um, and Reese's sense of groove was there so strong. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take any time at all for him to fit in. Right. Was it? Did you change how you played? Maybe some of the, you know the, the Texas Flood and couldn't stand the weather tracks to incorporate his playing, or did you kind of keep how you played those songs the same and just let him kind of blend in, so to speak? Well, I, I played uh, pretty much how I played uh, mm -hmm. before, but um, um, some of the later stuff uh, when Reese joined the band. It gave me room to breathe. You sure. know, I didn't have to uh, fill in so much. Do you think? Uh, I mean, when you listen to you know, especially some of the Hammond you know stuff from like Crossfire and stuff, that it helped you guys stay a little more. I mean, not that you guys necessarily blended in in the '80s, and that's by no means a criticism. But you know, having some keys maybe made the music a little more approachable to mainstream radio. Yes, it did. Um, uh, adding Reese uh, adds a whole new dimension to what we were doing mm -hmm. and it kind of changed uh, the way we were playing when when you um, obviously when, when you guys were kind of in the middle of that you know 1980s um, and like I said at the top of the interview you were kind of keeping the blues alive did you feel a sense of, of history of what the band was at that time um, you know, aside from you know maybe a Robert Cray or something, there wasn't a lot of you know big name artists you know with chart success in the, in the eighties. Um, did you guys have a sense of where you were in the, you know in the history of things at the time, or is it something you just look back on more so at this point? Well, uh, we did Texas Flood, and uh, we were just doing what we loved. You mm -hmm. know, we didn't know if it was going to sell or not. Yeah. And it turned out uh, to sell a, a lot of records. But we we were just doing all they loved. Did and, it? Um, did that surprise you it, that it sold like that? Yeah, yeah, it did. It really did. Uh, because you know everybody was telling us blues won't sell. Right. People don't want to hear the blues. Right. And uh, we approached it in a totally different way. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's certainly um, the. Did you look at the decision that Stevie made to not tour with David Bowie? Did you know in in hindsight that was extremely significant because that may have totally altered the course of really all of your careers. Um, did you have a it sense? Would have. Of, yeah, you know, you think about that, and, and I still can't get my head around Stevie playing with David Bowie. That it's that's the you know it. it I don't know if that marriage necessarily would have been good for anybody but you know it worked no. out so well in the long run um for you guys because you got a little bit of you know uh, i should say respect or at least a little bit of publicity from the fact you played on some of those relatively huge hits for david bowie but then just opened blasted the door open with texas flood um now obviously you know the 1990 came along and, and unfortunately that came to a very tragic ending and, and you and um, Chris moved on with the Archangels etc um, but fast forward now all these years later um, you get a phone call from Reese to come and play on some songs for him for his new album what was that experience like kind of going back in the studio the three of you oh it was great I mean uh, it's like Chris and Reese and myself fell together immediately you know the groove and everything mm -hmm. uh, it just felt so good it felt great and um, there, there was no struggling to get the song right or anything it just fell together immediately and uh, it was so great you know playing with my old friends yeah I know that was you know one of the things he had said you know this is his favorite rhythm section you and Chris um, was it somewhat surreal going back you know with the particular songs you know like doing Say What for example um, 
the three of you without Stevie, you know, obviously you work with Kenny Wayne Shepherd, who's a fantastic guitarist, and um, but was it, it just different this time around? Yeah, it was different, but um, we managed to keep on the songs we did by Stevie. We managed to keep the the I don't know the right word. We kept it alive. Yeah. Um, you know, it, we didn't lose anything at all. You know. No, no, certainly not at all. I know with with Crossfire until Sam comes on to sing, you're, you're almost thinking, well, is this maybe, you know, when you first hear that song, it's almost like, did someone find an alternate recording, a studio outtake? And then obviously Sam's yeah. voice is, is so different. Um, did you sense, you know, working with with Kenny, you know, primarily on those, those Stevie songs, um, do you feel he had a hesitation in, or any sort of pressure playing some of those songs and stepping into to Stevie's shoes or, or was he pretty comfortable in his own skin in your estimation uh, he was pretty comfortable you know uh, Kenny grew up listening to Stevie you know mm-hmm. he knew Stevie's playing yeah and uh, so um, I was really surprised how well he fit in you know he was he was right on target you know he yeah, it was like second nature to him. He just nailed it. Yeah, you can sense when you listen to the songs. You know, I mean, he's got a real, uh, obviously, a passion in his playing. But you know, there's there's a obviously a reverence to the parts, but they don't feel like he's necessarily just trying to play them note perfect. Um, you know, they come off with that same right. fire, which is one of the things I've always loved about Stevie's playing is there's such a fire to it. Um, and I don't even know if that's a yeah. good word, but that's the word I think of when I listen to him play. Um, but you get to see how, you know, somebody could pick up a guitar and, and stand there with the three of you and be crushed by the pressure of that, you know, the intimidation yeah. factor to step into that, that realm. Um, yeah. Obviously could be well, quite... He, he handled it real good. You know, he, uh, he was confident in himself. Um, yeah. And he loves Stevie so much, you know, he learned from Stevie yeah and uh, he was just comfortable like the intro to River Air Paradise yeah that's a really a hard guitar part you mm-hmm. know that's it has some jazz chords in there and uh, uh, that, that would be hard for any guitar player to learn yeah and uh, Kenny learned it you know and, um, I was a little surprised to be honest yeah, it's sometimes I think when you listen to the the slower songs, sometimes maybe even harder than the fast songs, to because you're, you're so much emotion in that piece, you know. Yeah. That, that there's there's not a lot of room for error uh, to capture the moment. That would be like trying to play Lenny, uh, for example, would be another one that uh, you know that you listen to and you go, I don't know, as a guitarist, you would want to touch that because it's so perfect in the way it is. Um, yeah, not unlike Stevie's version of Little Wing, which I thought almost exceeded the original. Dare I say, you know, uh, not to speak uh, ill of of Jimmy's version, but Stevie's version had so much emotion in it. Um, such a special song. I don't know that anyone did that song better uh, than Stevie did. Um, Tommy, can I ask uh, what you're up to these days? I, I know obviously you've done uh, some playing with, if I'm not mistaken, the Hendrix Experience shows. Um, do you have uh, do you have some musical irons in the fire still? Uh, right now, I don't. Uh, I haven't been playing much. I'm uh, semi-retired. I still play some, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I can never quit playing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I, it's, I'd die without music. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's, um, I'm oh, not. Uh, I'm just doing it for fun now. You know, I'm not trying to be real successful or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'm just having a lot of fun do you find that more enjoyable than you know rewind the clock 30 years when when you know it was a vocation you know it was your job livelihood is it more fun to do it at this point where there's no pressure or is or do you kind of miss once in a while the i don't want to say the grind of the road but obviously you know the lifestyle that went with that oh i miss it i really do um 
I mean, it was such a wonderful time in my life, you mm-hmm. know, having all of those things. Plus, I was young, and uh, I loved traveling. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I loved to go see new places and uh, play in front of thousands of people, you know, and the band really sounded good. It was a glorious feeling, you know. It was, yeah. Uh, so I miss that, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm, you don't, you don't miss fun. The, you don't miss the bus checks and the traveling all night to for routing where they've got you going from Cleveland to New York back to Pennsylvania and all that. Right. That, that no, I don't miss that. <laughs> Could you reflect just a moment? Obviously, I don't know how many people know your background. Uh, obviously, playing with Johnny Winter um, and being at Woodstock. I mean, that was such an indoctrination um and you were just, you know a relatively young man at the time can you t- just reflect on that that's been you know 50 years now um what that experience was like you know looking out at that ocean well uh, that was 1969 and uh, i was just this hick from texas mm-hmm. Dumas, texas and um we got together with Johnny. I'd only been out of high school about two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we moved to New York, and it was like the whole world was there. You know, right. It was such an incredible place, and all these artists and musicians and uh, actors. and So it was a new experience. But playing with Johnny, you know, um, it was incredible because he was such a great guitar player. Yeah. And uh, we played all these giant pop festivals, including Woodstock and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew about 10 years in one year. Yeah. If you know what I mean? I can't imagine what, you know, as a, you were about 20 years old at the time, what that experience, yeah. experience must have yeah. been like looking out at that. Uh, and just being around. Really, as you mentioned, anybody who was anybody in the music business, the Who, Jimmy, Janice, all all those artists, you know, the Jefferson Airplane at the time, um, the Dead, um, such a, a amazing experience. And a real testament to you as a player, the fact that you've played alongside literally, you know, some of the greatest names in the, in the blues. Um, you've worked with Buddy Guy and Stevie Ray and Kenny Wayne Shepherd and obviously a, a real testament to you as a musician and it, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today Tommy I want to thank you so much well thank you I appreciate you the wait is over heart together again and and Nancy Wilson side by side love alive tour with Joan Jett of the Blackhearts L. King, August 1st, Key Bank Pavilion. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com or Ticketmaster.com. Part of the Bordas and Bordas Concert Series. Heard a giant thank you to Reese Winans and Tommy Shannon, uh, both of obviously Steve Ray Vaughan's band. Again, sweet releases in stores now. You can pick it up at uh, Joe Bonamassa's website, which is jbonamassa.com. I know it's available on Amazon and Target, I believe, has it as well, so you can pick up that album. Uh, it's really a great collection of songs. There's some Steve Ray Vaughan, there's some Archangels, uh, there's some other great uh, blue standards, so it's really worth the time. And also want to note something that came up actually off air in the conversation uh, with Reese that I had no idea. And I, you know, obviously I, we spent a lot of time talking about Pittsburgh's music, and this one came as a complete shock that Reese was actually born in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, obviously the home of Arnold Palmer and Mr. Rogers. Uh, the ice cream um, float, or I'm sorry, the ice cream, banana split, I believe, was invented in Latrobe, and the arguments to where the first professional football game was played uh, in Latrobe. But uh, a claim to fame that I don't know that anyone knew uh, was that Reese was born actually in 1947 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Now he moved to Florida as a youngster, uh, grew up in the Sarasota area, and uh, obviously kind of blended into the world with some members of the Allman Brothers and actually where his career kind of started was working with those guys um, but it was really interesting to know that Reese was from the area and Reese will be in town on March 16th to do a show with Joe Bonamassa at the Benetton Center uh, tickets available for that now so we're going to turn our attention now to a uh, Pittsburgh band uh, Dan Bubian and the Delta Struts uh, who play kind of a blend of 
I would say, uh, a sort of a roots rock slash blues uh, style. And I don't like to try to put labels on bands. Uh, I just think it's really good music. Uh, Dan and the guys are from Aliquippa. Uh, they've got a new album coming out, These and Yesterdays. Uh, you can check that out at their website, which is Dan Bubian, B-U-B-I-E-N.com. And we're going to play you a track from that album, and then we're going to get into that interview with Dan.
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks we have on the line from Dan Boobin and the Delta Struts. Dan, how you doing today? I'm good, John. Good to be with you, man. It's awesome to get a chance to talk to you. You guys have a fantastic new record, Thieves and Yesterdays. Um, I listened to it, and, and it was kind of funny because you had sent me an email when I asked about the genre, and you said it was kind of hard to put a label on it. And I listened to it, and I think I'm even more confused. Um, there's so much creeping into your sound. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know where you come from as a musician? You know what are some of your influences? Yeah, absolutely sure. Um, my I grew up with soul music in the house. My dad was a lifelong musician, and he preached soul music. His favorite band was the Jaggers, you know, okay. from, from Pittsburgh. Yeah, from Pittsburgh, and um, so we grew up with him always playing that stuff. He was a harmony singer, always singing high harmony stuff around the house, and just he preached the soul music to me. So that was always there, and um, I think. Uh, you know, guys like you know, you know Jimmy and, and and those guys that were in that band just were always an influence on my music. And when I started getting into it, and um, I think from that point when I started to really take uh, get into to my own thing was blues music just kind of spoke to me. Mm-hmm. You know, initially Stevie Ray Vaughan, like I think everybody gets affected and hit by him. You know, yeah, and um, and just you know just from there. Um, like I always was more into that stuff, not the like the alternative thing of like the Pearl Jam and Nirvana's and that kind of never got to me. It was, it was Stevie and Hendrix and uh, initially that that influenced me early on and and that um, you know you just dig in deeper from that and you know and go from there from from yeah. everybody. You know the Stax recordings is kind of what we were kind of trying to go after in this yeah. record on Thieves was was um. That Southern Soul thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Muscle Shoals sound and Dwayne Allman and, and, and all that stuff. So it's you know, a wonderful. Going for that. It, it's funny how uh, anytime we interview anybody who's under like fifty who plays this kind of music, it's always their parents' music that kind of creeped mm-hmm. into what they listen to because you know, as I'm uh, mm-hmm. looking at pictures of the bands, I'm guessing there isn't anybody in the band that was really old enough to you know to listen to this stuff when it was on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, yeah. it's and you're right. There, there wasn't a great blues hero for a young man, you know, outside of Stevie Ray Vaughan, and, and it's it Stevie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's I mean, amazing how many people that maybe not necessarily walk away saying I'm going to play like Stevie Ray Vaughan, but introduced right. him to or introduced us to his influences because he wore them on his sleeve. You know, the Albert Kings and. Uh, people yeah. like that and, and that is wonderful to hear but yeah. the, I think the thing that jumped out to me on your album is the passion in your singing voice uh, you've got a voice that I almost can't describe at first I thought okay maybe it's got a little Joe Cocker kind of sound to it but um, is that just the voice that God gave you or, or did you take lessons to, to develop that sound no lessons um but um, well, thank you in, uh, for that. And, but um, no, no lessons. It was that's one of the things that I just kind of felt come. You know, f- you know, you start playing guitar and you kind of get into it. Either I think anybody can do it to a point, to a degree, and, and you know, not everybody at the same time, but we learn as fast or anything like that. But it was one of the things that come to you quick. Uh, came to me quick, you know, as a guitar player. Um, mm-hmm. Singing was not one of them. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't like it just came out, and the first time I started singing, I had this, I had this voice. You know what I mean? Right. Where some people have that natural talent, you know, that God-given, uh, you know, a gift. You know, right. I was definitely not one of them. Uh, that where I kind of, and I can't think that's one of the things on this record that, you know, as you do anything in life, you get better. It, the longer you do something. Right. the better you get at it, you know, and, and it's it's a muscle that, like anything else, if you're weightlifting, you just work it, you know, I've gotten some tips and advice over the years on how to get that, that dirt, you know, that growly thing out, you know, and that, that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the greats did, and, right. and, and it just, some things that you can kind of take handle and say, oh, that makes sense to me, if I push like this, you know, I could get this out of my out of my voice, and it just it was just a lot of work, a lot of time, and a lot of a lot of practice in that. You know, a lot of gigs and just trying to trying yeah. to push that out. You know? did, um, did you start on guitar? Was that your first instrument? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, guitar. Yeah. So when I listen, uh-huh. I think what I, what I really notice is to me, I think of of guitarists who sing. To me, you don't sound like a singer who played guitar. You sound like a you know, a, and that that I mean that is the highest form of praise, um, because if you listen to a lot of you know, especially the blues guys, it's, it's kind of cool to be the guitarist and the singer, um, but not all of them are great yeah. singers, um, and, and the songs don't even necessarily lend themselves to that kind of style where you know you listen to a Clapton song where it's, it's kind of ridiculously simple, and then he throws these breathtaking licks in between vocal lines. Your songs yeah, are, yeah. are more song centric. Um, totally, yeah, it's it's yeah. really neat. Um, the how long have you been kind of doing this? Obviously, the the new record kind of caught our attention. Uh, but how long has this you know project been going? Well, I've been doing this for twenty five years. Uh, this project um, mm-hmm. with this group of guys. Uh, We've been playing out together uh, for same guys for probably two years. Okay. Um, and that's probably about the time, you know, the length it took to, you know, I've had these songs and to, to for everybody to learn them, you know, get comfortable with them, practice them, playing, find the time to get to a studio, you know, to record. And just, you know, it, it's probably been a two-year process, you know, uh, with with this specific record with, uh, with, with the guys in the band. From, um, from and that's the thing that kind of drove it differently in, in, in this time from the up my previous records is just this was a collective effort effort like finally got hooked up with guys that just really felt right not mm. only playing wise I mean it was kind of apparent even in that regard but just just the hang was just cool you know with everybody kind of gets each other from where they're coming from personally and right. and you could just it just it all made a difference you know I, I really felt like and, and, and um, you know, it absolutely it was. It was Great experience, chemistry, everything. I mean, there, yeah. there are some fun, yeah. phenomenal musicians in the world who can't stand to be in the same room with each other. Um, so <laughs> it, it, and you see what happens to those. You know, this is uh, that's why it's <laughs> smart to put Dan Boobian or Boobin on the the record. You know, you always own the name. <laughs> you know, that's a, yeah. that's a wise business move. Um, when you um, when you sat down, it's okay, and we have these songs. Um, and this is kind of a because you know you guys are a new band relatively speaking um, the driver to actually go into the studio and record them I mean is uh, you know we, we talk to musicians who you know oh it's not worth making a record anymore people just want to hear the hits but you guys are obviously in the infancy really stage of a career uh, with this is it still vital for for uh, a you know a band in your opinion to go in and make an album, or is it just an artistic calling, um, or you know is it necessary to get people to come to you know whatever club you're playing to hear you guys you know so they're familiar with the songs, or is it just you know we're musicians we create this is what we do, um, so we're gonna do it. Yeah. How's that decision process? Because it's not a cheap thing to do. No, it's it's extremely it's 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 not cheap at all. It's mm-hmm. extremely expensive. Right. It, it just depends on everybody uh, and where they're at and what they're trying to what they're trying to be, what they're trying to accomplish. You know, what kind of band you're trying to be. You know, um, if you're just if you just want to play around town Friday Saturday night playing covers, you know, nothing wrong with that. And mm-hmm. That's what you, you're, you that's what you got time for. That's what you're want to invest you know, that's that's fine you don't have to do that but if you're trying to do something different and, and, and or you know if you're trying to put more more of your heart more of your time into this uh into music and I, I do think it's kind of a necessary thing you know to keep um you know just to basically keep things music live music alive right and, um, it's just it's just it's, i think it is a necessary thing how far you can take it <laughs> depends on so many other factors yeah. you know life uh, uh, marriage uh, kids uh, money you know mortgage everything you know so it's it's kind of whatever you can however you can carve it out you know and, and keep it driving it ain't easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, cause this stuff does cost a lot of money and, and uh, yeah. it just it just all depends you know where you're at which what your goals are and where you're trying to get to and Right. If you're, you know, being being fortunate enough to be able to put that time and effort, money behind it. Um, now, so. when when you guys look at okay, we want to we we've got 
you know, a great record, a great batch of songs. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, people having a negative word really to say about the music. But when you start to look at, okay, we need to play live shows, um, or we want to play live shows, um, can you go into just a little bit of the decision of do we stay local with these shows? Do we maybe, you know, obviously life makes it kind of tricky to go to other places, but do you look at other markets yeah. or, or are you still kind of saying, okay, we're going to stay with Alquip as kind of the home base um, <clears throat> and play more local and build up a following here? How do, how do you weigh those decisions? Yeah. Well, it's funny you ask because we've had this record in the bag for a little while now, mm-hmm. six months, seven, eight months. And just they've been kind of pushing it out, shopping it out quietly to to people, and we've gotten great responses from pretty much everyone we put it out to. Um, but we finally got a response from someone who can help. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the we key. Got, so we, 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 yeah, yeah, that, that's willing to help us. You know, willing to help. You keep that and, name uh, a so secret. We did sign yeah. on. Yeah, we did. We did, we did sign on to do a, a regional, somewhat regional tour. Actually, okay. maybe a little more than regional. Um, Starting in late March okay. uh, through June, a three-month uh, run we're going to hit. Um, starts in Nashville. We're going to hit Memphis, St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, um, Philly, Baltimore. Um, so we are, we're, we're, we're trying to take it and and figuring out all those things of, like you said, the mortgages and, and, and yeah, and people's lives at home and, and how can we do that? You know, if yeah. if it's not going to be financially you know feasible to to drop everything else in life and kind of figure out a way to maybe hit like on uh you know thursday through a saturday run you know head on out so we've got that in the works i think hopefully it's going to be positive and you know it's definitely get the music out to a, a farther reach and, and ho- yeah. we're hoping it's something we can build off of and show to other agencies and other other people we're getting out there and spreading and yeah. Hopefully, next time we go back, it'll build. You know, so yeah, that's a great, great point. I mean, you you look at bands who had massive radio hits. You know, who maybe you know ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, who do weekend dates because it's not feasible. You know, because people need jobs. I mean, unfortunately, you know, the royalties yeah. you get from physical product are almost yeah. none. The royalties you get from right. digital product is almost none. Um, you know, it's become a touring man's game in a lot of ways. But yeah. you, you know, everybody needs, unfortunately, day jobs. You, you know, even musicians, yeah. you've, heard, you know, famous musicians at one point need day jobs. So then it's kind of like, okay, how do I get off work to go do? You know, I want to play this casino, you know, this night, right. and we're going right. to do another night, and then we'll get back home so I can be at work tired as hell <laughs> on Monday morning. Um, exactly. Is you know, that's got to, you know, that's got to be we're expensive. Down the gun at. <laughs> yeah, and it's expensive thing. You you know you've either got to you know fly or stay where it's drivable, and you know that's a that's a tough right. thing. But when I listen to this record, you know, and, and you listen to what is popular, you know, I don't want to say popular in the words of pop music because this certainly no. isn't pop music. But this type of music right. in the yeah. rock world is quite popular right now. You know, you listen to a lot of. That's- you know, you listen. You look at the the following Gary Lord Jr., who's maybe a little more blues than yeah. than you, but the guy's as hot as it could be right now. You know, I listen to your yeah. music and think, boy, you know, you get this this band sound like they're straight out of Austin. You know, I could see you playing an Anton's <laughs> with some of this stuff, um, but it's, it's yeah. yeah, thank you. You get there, I'm gonna. Be, I'll be there. I want to see that show, or when you get there, I'll say that. Let, let's think positive, yeah. but. Uh, you know, right. <laughs> it's a fantastic thing, but it's it's such a different Thank ball game than it was. You know, if you would, if this was yeah. 1991 and you made this self-produced album, you know, you could say, okay, we're going to shop it to a label, get tour support. Um, of course, in 1991, no one would have known what to do with this because it would have not been quite. It's funny how music that right. maybe sounds a little older would not have been in vogue right. in 1991. Exactly. Um, exactly. Now with but, Marcus King, you know, and, and yeah. Rusty Trucks, and I mean, it's, you know, it's just yeah. I mean, that's yeah. and that's kind of what determined where we're kind of where we're headed with it because the, uh, a previous two releases I've done were maybe more tailored to the straight blues vein and, and right. genre of things, and I've had some help and with publicists in that regard. And when I when I had this one out, I had people listen, and they're like, "Yeah, we really love it. I don't think we can do it." kind of the justice that it kind of 
it, it deserves and they kind of turned us on to a couple more people that recommended us and you know i've gotten was able to get hooked up with uh with uh with a couple other people that can help us in more of a what's mainstream than than just the straight blues genre of of, of that world right now you know and like where the marcus kings and Right. Tedeschi right. Trucks, Doyle Bram Hall, you know, exist. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. what we're that's where we're trying to exist, you know, in, in that in that and that's that market and that, that yeah. world. So you think of the Lucas yeah. Nelsons and then you know the, yeah. half the half the yeah. Allman brothers kids are, you know, basically forming half, a band. Right. Um right, right. Know, and they're making great music is what's you know but it's Absolutely. it's a very hot thing, you know. It's it's almost to me seems like yeah. The world once Tom Petty passed sort of latched on to some of the stuff he did, and it really, you know, it, it opened it's great up. Great music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Is, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I wish you guys all the best. Uh, as far as Thank the you. actual album, um, are you did did you make a physical version of it, or is it strictly yeah. a, a streaming? Yes. Um, where yep, could we folks? We have a physical. Okay. Yeah. I mean, other than than your shows, is there anywhere folks can pick up the album? Uh, yeah, you could um, go to my website. I'm putting it up. It'll, it'll be ready to roll on uh, for sale online. You know, iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, you name it, all that. But you could also go to, directly to our website. It's uh, com, and you can order direct from us. And we don't have to pay <laughs> yeah. all their uh, <laughs> what they take from you. It comes straight from us. Yeah, and, and uh, you actually get all the money as opposed to all the money yeah. that they take from you as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it is a, it often, often encourage our listeners, buy the physical product and then go ahead and listen to it on Spotify anyway. Let them pay yes. you the royalties yeah, for the anyway. extra listens, but give you the money for the for physical product. Yeah. Right. So, all right, well, Dan, I want to thank you again. Dan Boobin and the Delta Struts. I love the name, and I, I love the... Uh, uh, on the alternate text on the images on your website, the uh, Southern Blues with some Aliquippa grit, and I think anybody with an yeah. earshot knows what Aliquippa grit means. So uh, I wish you guys all the best, man. <laughs> Thanks, John. Appreciate it, man. Okay, that about wraps it up for episode 404 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I want to thank Dan Boobian of Dan Boobian and the Delta Struts for coming on and uh, giving us some great music, some some young guys making great great music which we love to see and also want to thank um just two legends in my mind i, I grew up a huge fan of stevie ray vaughn regretted uh, mightily not going to see him on that last tour with joe cocker uh when he came through pittsburgh um had to work and just didn't make the show and never thought you know at the early, very early age that stevie ray would be taken from us so have had to as a lot of fans, I'm sure, do, you know, just live and die by the Live of the Alma combo and the Austin City Limits performance and the, you know, the Montreux Jazz Festival shows that are kind of the extent of, of what we have from Stevie Live at this point. So it was an absolute pleasure to get a chance to speak with Reese. Uh, as I, I mentioned him in the interview, you know, he's got one of the most iconic piano uh, roles of, of all time with the Houses of Rock. And, you know, you don't go to a baseball game and not hear that uh, when, you know, in the camera panning around the audience watching for someone to dance. And to talk to Tommy Shannon, uh, just a, an absolute honor, really very, very privileged to do this episode. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for listening. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are all forward slash Iron City Rocks. Or you can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, especially we have a lot of concerts uh, that we are uh, presenting over the next couple weeks. Uh, there are going to be a lot of ticket giveaways. And I'd like to do some uh, fun poll questions with you guys, uh, you know, ask people's opinions. We'd love to listen to what you guys have to say on things because... We don't claim to be experts on anything, and uh, you know we're just people who love music and are passionate about it, and we know you are as well if you're taking the time to listen, so we want to hear from you guys. So until next time, thank you for the time.